fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetgeneral.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves here with your week three fantasy football recap. Right in the middle of a barn burner game. Uh, we got the, the Ravens versus Chiefs, probably the most exciting Monday night football game we've got in quite some time. So I'm going to rip through this as quick as I can without skimping on the facts here. If you're catching the replay, thanks so much for tuning in. As we do every week on Monday, we recap our risers and fallers for the rest of season value, hitting you with all the meaningful snap counts and stats. We also take a quick preview of the waiver wire, talk about all the injuries that hit us in week three, not quite the bloody Sunday of week two, but still some big names going down that we have to discuss and tons of movement on the rest of season big board, which you can find later tonight. I will be updating all night throughout this game uh, at rotostreetjournal.com. You can see it pinned to the top, our rest of season big board. And if you're tuning into the podcast, the fantasy fullback dive, we paved your path to 2020 titles. Thanks so much. Consider tuning in live on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope. And if you're there, any likes, shares, comments are always so appreciated. Get your questions in. I promise to answer them all as we get through the news. Not quite as much as week two, but plenty to cover. And and the number one story, in my opinion, happened on Thursday Night Football. So it's long in the books, but we still wanted to make sure to cover on a riser and faller episode. James Robinson from the Jaguars just absolutely dominates. 46 yards and two scores on the ground, but the real storyline here was six receptions, 83 yards. A lot of that coming in garbage time. That's the big part here. Isn't that he's just catching the ball, but it's coming late in the game when the game flow is out of hand, when it shouldn't be James Robinson time. He's going in and still racking up monstrous stats. He now leads running backs in yards after the catch, a third in the entire NFL in that stat. Only played about 45% of the snaps, 30 of 66. So we could still see him trend better. But the fact that he's getting in, even if they're down, he's the workhorse if they're up. You got to imagine with those stats, again, again, let me just reiterate, leading the league in running backs yards after the catch right now. You got to imagine there's no more Chris Thompson at some point. Like he is just blah. I know he's a Jay Gruden stalwart, but like, come on, let's get out of that. Uh, This guy is a legit top 12 running back in terms of upside because of that passing game, intriguing usage. And if you picked him up off the waiver wire or stashed him early, you got yourself a monster, even in a dynasty. I mean, he's looking very, very sharp. So James Robinson, the biggest single riser in my big board this week, but other risers, we're going to kind of look at a few team previews here. The chargers, their outlook is surging right now with Justin Herbert leading the charge. And in particular, two guys, your stalwarts there, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, have been monstrous. Let's go to Allen first. Holy hell, 19 targets. Hall's in 11 of them for 136 and a TD. A whopping whopping performance from this target hog who is now leading the league in target share over the past two weeks since Herbert took over 38.6% of the targets for the Chargers over these last two weeks. Almost 40%. Holy shit, that is crazy. And the stats have been backing it up. Keenan Allen, top six receiver last year, top six in like five straight years. And now that he has a quarterback after being like, you know, just looked like he was going to tank with Tyrod Taylor in week one you got to assume the Chargers keep it with Herbert, and if they do, Keenan Allen's rest-of-season outlook is right back up there with your wide receiver ones. A monstrous performance. But not to be outdone, Austin Eckler, last year's RB4, even with Gordon there, blows up my DFS play of the week uh, to, to break the slate when everybody's going in on Drake and Miles Sanders. I said, Austin Eckler. And, you know, I fell for the Sanders trap too, but I also had Eckler. He goes off for almost 60 yards and a TD on the ground. But the big thing here, the 11 catches for 80 yards, just vintage Austin Eckler getting peppered. Looked like he was going to be hamstrung all season. Again, as long as Tyrod Taylor lasts with a 3.1% target share under him. 
now has a 20% target share under Justin Herbert over these last two games with 15 total targets. And just looking his explosive self, really relegated Josh Kelly, you know, down game for him to the bench. Uh, only 43 yards on eight carries after seeing 23. So he's clearly looking a bit game flow, whereas Eckler thriving in all circumstances as we'd expect there. And also Mike Williams taking a decent hit with Herbert prioritizing that middle of the field, Keenan Allen dominating. We just get one target for Mike Williams, hauling it in for 17 yards. Clearly not what you want to see. He is now cuttable in my opinion. So again, Allen and Eckler surging, but we also have some guys falling like Kelly and also, of course, Mike Williams there. Another offense as a whole that is rising. <laughs> How did it take this long, folks, for Mitch Trubisky to get benched? I don't know, uh, but finally happened, and we saw the Bears take a nice step forward under Nick Foles in the second half, puts up 188 yards and three scores, and again, just a half of action. We saw you know, Allen Robinson, who's been sucking all year, just get new life breathed into him with his most dominant performance to date. 10 catches on 13 targets, 123 yards, and a TD. Monstrous second-half performance, again, all facilitated at that arm of Nick Foles and that long dick. We all know we all know the rumors that have surged about him. But Anthony Miller also gets a little bit of life breathing to him, 41 yards and a score, almost had a second touchdown that fell through his hands. I almost had it, but it bounced off. Montgomery didn't find the end zone this week, 45 yards, 9 yards through the air. But he's also a major riser, one, just because of all ships rising with Nick Foles. This entire offense takes a nice step forward. But two, Tariq Cohen is now hurt. We'll cover him in a little more depth. But, I mean, are they going to really work in Corderell that much more? Or are we going to see David Montgomery, who was hailed as a nice three-down prospect coming out? Again, nothing explosive, nothing flashy, but just sheer volume-wise, everything is bending right for David Montgomery this year. I was down on him. I'll admit it. And I still don't think he's that, that crazy of a talent, but ultimately with everything surging his way, the better offense with Foles, the better target share with now no Tariq Cohen, you know, every down roll, you got to feel a little bit better about David Montgomery moving forward with RB2 upside. Another whole offense, you know, trying to cover as much as we can and make sense to pack together. That's the Vikings offense. <laughs> and they're really aided, not because their offense is so good, but because their defense absolutely blows. They are now second in the league in terms of most points allowed. Only Atlanta. Pathetic, by the way. When we talked about Foles, we should have just covered the fact that Atlanta is an absolute joke of a team. What a fucking pathetic squadron there. Uh, but ultimately, you have to feel uh, great about this Vikings team because of how bad that defense is. 43, 28, 31 points now averaging uh, at 36, no, 34 points per game, rather. Atlanta, the only team bigger at 36 points per game. And that's great news for, you know, Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins even becomes a little more streamable in weeks we look for shootouts. And, and this week, you know, it's going to seem like a pretty good recipe here that Kirk Cousins is going to be playing from behind. You know Mike Zimmer is going to be stubborn and try to keep pounding it, but I don't see that happening too often in this Vikings offense. Uh, the athletics speculating, they're just going to have to air it out to win games this year. All great news for Adam Thielen, and especially the waiver wire pickup of the week. We might as well sneak preview it here. Justin Jefferson goes completely bananas. Seven catches on nine targets, 175 yards, and a TD. If you somehow started him this week, tell me your, your name. You got a, a full-time position at the Roto Street Journal right away. Impressive work from Justin Jefferson. So great stuff there uh, for the Vikings offense because that defense is so bad. Another one of the bigger risers of the week is Daryl Henderson. This guy looks like the real fucking deal. You know, in 18 of his last games, Todd Gurley, dating back to last year, had only one of 120 yards from scrimmage. Already in only two games this season, his two active games, Daryl Henderson has back-to-back 120-yard games. I mean, this guy looks great. He, I get last year's rookie season, a sunk cost, a lost year, but we raved about the speed and the fit and the vision uh, out of Memphis. No team ran more zone block than, than Memphis did. And that was Daryl Henderson averaging 10 yards a clip on the zone block schemes at Memphis. And now he's really thriving. We see what McVay saw there. There is obviously the risk, you know, what happens when Cam Akers gets back? Is it going to be a three-headed nightmare? Because the snap counts are still pretty evenly distributed here. It's not like, uh, you know, Henderson's running away at a wild clip. He saw, he saw you know, 30, uh, 49%, but Malcolm Brown getting the, you know, the other percent there. He's still, even though it was near even in, in snap counts, 
Henderson sees 20 of the 27 RB carries, three of the five running back targets, and just five of six touches within the 10. That's where you thought Malcolm Brown might carve out an annoying role. Henderson has become that hammer. And so even though the snaps are a bit even, it's more to put Brown in those pass blocking situations. It seems like they're kind of holding the, you know, all the, the touches here for um, for uh, Daryl Henderson. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Cam Akers and that rib injury when he comes back, but uh, back-to-back 120-yard days out-touching Malcolm Brown 21-7. to Brown can officially be cut if you hadn't already, whereas Henderson, you know, it's surging high-end RB2. And mainly because this Rams offense has that mojo back. Uh, they're sixth in the league right now in total points, just under 30 per game. Uh, they, they stayed neck and neck all game with the Bills. They just, you know, as much as they churn clock, which is very impressive, the time of possession every game for this Rams team, they're back to those that formula, play action, peppering it, you know, pace at times is, is slow and methodical and draining the clock, and then bam, they hit you with a fast. Sean McVay just seems like he's back on his game after a down season last year. That's good news for Goff, who's up there in your top 10 right now. Uh, you know, you got both Rams receivers this week topping 17 fantasy points in terms of Robert Woods uh, going off. Cooper Cup even more so, nine catches on 10 targets, 170, 107 yards and a TD, dominating the Bills out of the slot. This week, Jared Goff, over 25 fantasy points in multiple weeks now, 23 of 32, 321 yards, two touchdowns, and another one on the ground. Uh, this Rams offense just has its mojo back, which is yet another reason to love Daryl Henderson and this offense that's going to move the ball well, always be in games back and forth shootouts. Uh, the defense looks pretty shitty too, which just keeps this offense firing and humming. You got to really feel good about this Rams team and any of the pieces uh, the only one kind of disappointing this weekend only has 40 yards. Looked like he was in for a touchdown, but got called back still will be a nice touchdown bet the way this is humming, but not, it's not like cheat code Higby, what we looked like last week, at least carrying over from the end of last year. It's going to be inconsistent, unfortunately, uh, with those passing game, the wide receivers really anchoring the squad. Uh, and this one is, you know, obvious, yeah, thanks, Wolf, for telling me Alvin Kamara is, is good, nice, R- really bold there. But ultimately, I'm, I'm out here and saying he's got to be your number one overall player, and I'm coming out just to eat that crow. I, I told people to avoid him at four for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It doesn't look bad, but Alvin Kamara, you know, I, the plant-based diet, I had to avoid this guy, right? Come on, Wolf, what were you thinking? This guy looks insane. In fact, he now has the most fantasy points of any running back through three weeks other than Marshall Falk in 2000. We all know that was you know the second most fantasy points of all time from a running back. That's insane. He already has 106 fantasy points through three weeks, averaging over 35 points per game. That is what we call a league winner, my friends. If you got him anywhere outside your top three, if you were in that lock him in at four, good for you. I was wrong. I should not have had him nearly as low as I did. As long as he doesn't get hurt, I, I mean, what's to not love here? 58 yards on the ground, but really it's that receiving usage. 13 catches on 14 targets. Are we kidding me? This is a running back, guys. 139 yards and two touchdowns through the air. One of them, you saw all that, the contact balance, all the shit you see him training for in the offseason come into full fruition there. He's a monster. This is all just to say I need to eat some crow. I was wrong. He's my, my number one overall player above even Zeke now, who's going to fall to number two on my rest of season big board when that drops later tonight. And then another player, you know, in case I just need to keep force feeding myself crow, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> what about that tweet? Teddy Bridgewater is going to outscore uh, Aaron Rodgers. Nice one, Wolf. He is on the FU tour. And I, and I have acknowledged over the summer, you know, that one way my predictions go wrong is if Aaron Rodgers comes out, has a spine and, and really just goes on the FU tour. I didn't expect that from Rodgers. I, I thought Rodgers was kind of a coward. <laughs> you know, we've seen him fold in big games, uh, in big moments, and kind of just be a little bitch about things. That's not the Rodgers we're getting this year. This is Rodgers fired up to the fucking max. He wants to just show everybody, you know, why the hell did you draft fucking Jordan Love in round one? I, and just to, to, for the record there, that it was the worst draft pick probably, uh, you know, that, that worst draft overall. Their first three picks did not play a single snap last night. And yet they still now lead the league with 41 points per game without Devontae Adams. And that's the big note here. The big tour with Rodgers is 
I was down on him this week because no Devontae Adams like, could MVS and Alan Lazard actually get it done. It doesn't matter the way Aaron Rodgers is playing. He's going to elevate whoever's around him. He goes 283 for three scores, just another ho-hum 25-point fantasy day. And big news there is, is Alan Lazard catches six of his eight targets, 146 yards. You know, yeah, boosted a bit by that 70-yard touchdown, but he showed he can get it done against number one defenders. Uh, if Adams misses time, he's the clear number one, it looks like, not Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, so ultimately, Lazard and Rodgers, that chemistry is cooking. And even when Adams comes back, you got to imagine Lazard deserves a nice bump up big boards too. Emerging workhorse here, Mike Davis, the guy I said definitely above Devonta Freeman last week. He comes out and he steamrolls. 13 carries, 46 yards, meh. But what we really love here is the targets. Remember, as Scott Barrett has taught us, PPR targets are worth 2.73 times as much as a carry. And we get eight catches on eight targets for Mike Davis, 45 yards, including a score there. He now has 32% target share uh, on this week um, because, you know, check down Teddy loves that check down and we're seeing it. 17 total targets between the fourth quarter of last week and now this week. Um, yeah, 100% of the team's running back targets, despite Reggie Bonifin being active, 100% of the touches inside the 10 yard line with three. 13 of 15 RB carries, 21 of 23 total touches. I mean, the guy is the absolute definition of a workhorse. Um, he's just going to dominate touches till Christian McCaffrey's back. So you got yourself, if you bid, you know, a nice 25, 30 bucks because you own McCaffrey, congratulations. You got yourself a nice little plug-in uh, these, these next few weeks. Um, a nice PPR, you know, points factory, just filling that Christian McCaffrey role. Obviously not as good as McCaffrey, but the volume is what we're chasing there, and he's absolutely eating it. So good job if you picked him up. <laughs> in case, and by the way, Mike Davis now is third, no fourth in the league in targets with seventeen. Just crazy, more than Austin Eckler on the season. And in case you missed it, you know, have you not noticed Russ? Russ is cooking. Russ cook. Russ cooks. Yeah, yeah. Russ is fucking cooking. Holy shit, he's on pace for seventy-two touchdowns on the season. My good. Lord, this guy is going completely bananas. Russ, 5,412 total yards right now, 4,900 of them through the air, nearly 500 of them coming on the ground, 74 TDs, 550 fantasy point pace. That would obviously shatter records. Now, there's going to be some natural regression. We know that. But they really have opened this offense up completely. Um, the defense, even more so, is as abysmal as it's been in seasons. So, even if they would like to pound it out and bleed clock, like the defense isn't going to allow that. Even next week, you know, this week coming up against Ryan Fitzmagic, like the, the Miami Dolphins are going to put up points against this team and Russ is going to have to keep cooking. They're going to go for record books. They're, they're going for MVP here. And obviously all the receiving weapons rise with that type of cooking scenario. Tyler Lockett with a huge game this week, 100 yards, three scores, uh, DraftKings week winner. But also DK Metcalf, you know, should have had two scores. Uh, hauls in, you know, four of his targets. He's only had four catches in back-to-back -back games, uh, but still dominates 110 yards um, with with a late score, saving and redeeming that boneheaded fumble at the, the goal line there. Uh, but again, Russell Wilson's pace. So again, all uh, you got DK and Lockett, wide receiver one and two, uh, two and three rather. Only DeAndre Hopkins has more points than the Seahawks guys. Chris Carson also rising in this booming offense on pace for 16 touchdowns on the season, 230 fantasy points, the RB 11 right now. Um, you got this offense just absolutely firing in all cylinders. So again, not, not a take that it's not a take. It's just a fact. This offense is absurd. Zach Ertz now also rising because Dallas Goddard gets hurt and Zach Ertz becomes an immediate monster target hog. 10, 10 targets leading the team there. Hauls in seven of them for 70 yards. Doesn't find the end zone, but it, it's pretty nice encouraging sign that he's going to be the main vein of this passing game with no Rager. You get Deshaun Jackson now banged up. Goddard banged up. I mean, who else is Wentz going to have to throw to? And for all Wentz's struggles, the guy looks like a complete bag of shit. Ertz is going to be his main vein. Uh, throughout the, the weeks. Also, Stephon Diggs looking very matchup proof because Jalen Ramsey's treatment almost has two touchdowns. Scores one, his first of the Bills. Should have probably had a second. Looked real close on a screen at the one-yard line. Just barely gets there. Uh, but he roasted Ramsey in the corner um, of the end zone on his touchdown there. He's looking dominant. And, and even more so, the fact that the Bills just look 
so fucking good. Josh Allen really has taken that next step. Very creative play calling from Brian Dabble. Uh, Dabble, however the fuck you say it. Plenty of four wide receiver sets. Lots of pre-snap motion. Uh, even when they're up big, they're throwing it. The defense has given up a lot of points to good offenses to keep shootout scenarios like we saw with the Rams this week. You got to be very, very encouraged by everything with Diggs. The fact that he's matchup proof, the fact that this offense is cooking, the fact that you know Josh Allen looks fantastic, all great signs that we were significantly undervaluing, not just as a site, everybody in the fantasy community undervaluing Diggs uh, and undervaluing the big step that Josh Allen has taken. 31 points per game right now for the Ram, uh, for the, the Bills here. That's the fourth in the NFL. And, and Diggs is a huge part of this offense just completely unlocking. James Conner. Building up more of his sell-high portfolio for you guys here. 18 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown with four catches and another 40. I mean, he is a beast. If you have him in your, you know, as long as he's lasting, he's going to be a top 12 weekly running back, no doubt about it, now that he's fully healthy. And he's seen 67% of the carries, 67% of all touches, uh, seven and 12 targets, six and seven goal line touches. John Daigle, I got to shout you out, man. You've been putting up fire stats um, to, to help me organize the show here. It, everything is coming up James Conner when he's in your lineup. The, the back of the matter is, though, how much longer is it going to last? I think this is the time, back-to-back workhorse games, you can get like an elite wide receiver one. You can get Tyler Lockett. Like you can get one of those guys for him. Pull that trigger because how long is this going to last for? It's, all, it's a ticking time bomb. Uh, as good as he looks, he's got some decent matchups coming up too. I, I'm still hammering. It's time to sell him high. It's going to look bad every time he has a monster week. Um, but still, he just looks so damn fucking good. <laughs> you know, Joe Mixon over him? Come on. Like, let's, let's be real. James Conner is looking unbelievable. Uh, and then a couple last notes for risers. Kenny Galladay, first game back, has some rush to shake off. Dude looked fully healthy. Six on seven, six catches, seven targets, 57 yards, and a score. Nice, like, leaping grab. That was the biggest sign is how much, you know, it got up and over the defender, hauled it in, baby Tron, full effect. You don't do that if you're still hampered by your hamstring. Uh, so he looked great. Game flow was not in his favor, and he's still kind of roasted. So loving what I saw from Kenny Galladay uh, in his first game back. Loving what I keep seeing from Tyler Boyd, the clear cut number one for Joe Burrow here. 10 catches on 13 targets, 125 yards, didn't find the end zone, but this was a massive share and far more productive than anything A.J. Green was doing on his looks. His looks regressed to six here. It's clear that Burrow is much more comfortable targeting Boyd, as he should be. Boyd's just a much better receiver at this point in their career. And last but not least, I think it's time to buy low on all Texas. They look pretty good against a tough Steelers defense. Uh, we get Deshaun Watson, 264, two TDs. Looked like it was going to be an even bigger day early on. Uh, that, that defense kind of tightened up there. But they have such a nice slate coming forward after back-to-back brutal games. You got to feel good about what Watson and uh, especially David Johnson, you know, just finding the end zone against that Pittsburgh team. They've looked both looked really good. Johnson getting you know 100% of the snaps with Duke Johnson out. Uh, so I, I really like what we're seeing from Watson. David Johnson, I think Cooks, you know, a bad game. It didn't do much this week, but I really think he's due for a nice explosion coming up um, this coming week against the Titans. And this is the window to buy low on all your Texans. Uh, we're going to get a shootout game versus the, the, the Titans this week, and that window is going to shut completely. And last but certainly not least, Jarek McKinnon, my boy. 14 carries, 38 yards, and a score, and a 16 PPR points by hauling in another three catches for 39. But anybody just box score watching doesn't realize that he was due for another score, got called back on holding. There's another play that was blown dead right as it started, and you just saw this massive lane that, like, you know, from 20 yards out, could have probably been a three touchdown day for McKinnon. And he gets pulled for Jeff Wilson, plunges in from the one yard line. Bullshit. Uh, but still, very encouraging performance. The touches for McKinnon, responding healthy, uh, just looking explosive on, on plenty of his touches. Clearly, the, the best pass catching back on this team. So for as ever long as Mostert and uh, especially Tevin Coleman, th- those guys are both probably due out for at least one more week. You can confidently roll McKinnon as a high-end RB2 anytime those guys are out. And then rest of season-wise, you got to feel good about his role. I'm probably going to steal that from Tevin Coleman, right? Like you know, Obviously, he was the receiving back already and still has the upside of them become that early down uh, you know, 1B to, to Mostert's 1A. 
Now we, we got to move to followers. So keep your questions coming, guys. Well, that's the, the, the big risers segment. Keep the questions coming in. Uh, in terms of followers, CeeDee Lamb, like, do we got to be concerned here? A week after me gushing about this guy, the clear number two on the team, uh, goes over Gallup at this point uh, by a mile in the rankings. Distant fourth this week. You know, what was that about? The guy looks so good every time he touches it. So smooth in his routes. Then Cedric Wilson comes in and catches five balls for 107 yards and two touchdowns. You know, out targets CeeDee Lamb, who had six targets to Cedric Wilson's seven. Lamb getting 65 yards on his. What, what the hell is this? What's going on there? I'm not overly concerned because Lamb just looks so good. And I mean, he is the guy in three three wide receiver sets. But he was also off the field a decent amount for, for Cedric Wilson. And Wilson was making a lot happen with his touches. Now, I, I would probably use this opportunity to, to buy low on Lamb. I'm not sitting here advocating you know, jump ship. The guy looks too good to jump ship on. I, I would use Cedric Wilson as a, a way to get CD Lamb on my team at cheap. But you just have to have a little pause, whereas it seems like everything was trending upwards. The matchup was great for him to continue doing so. It's a, a pretty discouraging day over there for CeeDee Lamb. And also discouraging right now, what to make a Kenyon fucking Drake? I mean, the volume's there, 18 carries, 73 yards. He's been dominating the snaps. You know, Chase Edmonds hasn't really been anywhere to, to, to note ever since you know, week one. He saw those 10 touches. He's been nowhere. Uh, it is not cut into his workload at all, but still Drake's just kind of doing nothing. Some of that is the Konami upside of Russell Wilson, you know, Russell Wilson, Ky- Kyler Murray running it in from short. Uh, just so much more of the lightning rod of the offense is coming from him. And they're just kind of abandoning the run game to let Kyler Murray do it all. Why not? Right. Every time he doesn't touch the ball is kind of a disservice to your offense. So I get it. But Drake was just so damn good last year. Uh, it was great at the stripe. Made defenders miss, like was dangerous in space in the screen game. We're just not getting that usage right now. If there's ever a get right spot, it's this week against Carolina. So if you still believe enough, and and I do, maybe I'm a biased owner here, but you get Carolina this week. So if his owner is going to sell Drake for peanuts, I could see a nice two to three touchdown explosion uh, and helping him spark a, a nice late season push here. But definitely not what you want to be seeing from Kenyon Drake. He's yet to have a meaningful performance or fantasy for those of you that that plunged on him in round one or two. Speaking of round one or two busts, it's time to throw in this towel. Or are we going to put Mixon on the bench? I feel horrible for all the people that I recommend uh, Mixon over our biggest riser of the week, James Robinson, last week. 30 points from Robinson. What, we get six from Mixon? What the fuck do we do, guys? I mean, the talent is is there. He looks great whenever he catches the ball. But what do we do? You know, two catches, 16 yards, 17 carries, 49. Very, very weak. It's the line. The line is just awful here. Burrow's making the offense more competent, but they're falling behind so early. And for whatever reason, that means Gio Bernard comes in. It's stupid. It shouldn't happen, but it does. I think we got to put Mixon on the bench, folks, until we see it. You know, last year, he was just a abysmal train wreck to your fantasy team. And that's the worst kind of player is not just that you suck, but you have the draft capital that we can't bench you. And then you just keep ruining week after week after week. And then we finally bench you. You're probably going to blow up. Just fucking hate it. Hate to see it. I don't own Mixon, thankfully. I, you know, I was all about him, so I recommended him and somehow was able to avoid him. Man, he sucks. He is as frustrating as they come. Um 5,800 on DraftKings this week. It's starting to get cheap, though, so I'm probably going to keep going back to the well. But fuck, it's about time. In fact, I wrote a screenplay last year, and he ended up blowing up the next week and for the rest of the season, so maybe it's time to release that screenplay. I was practicing for uh, a class. I wrote a scene about me uh, having a little (laughs) fucking torture scene. Pretty messed up stuff. If you ever want to watch it, just let me know. Hit me up at Roto Street Wolf. I could send you the uh, little script I wrote there. Pretty messed up stuff. Uh, But Lions running back, uh, speaking of hideous backfields, the running back committee there is an absolute mess. Uh, Adrian Peterson just rumbling for 22 carries, 75 yards. Oh, God. Under four yards a clip. But this is like, how much more classic Patricia can you get? Like, let's find a gross, ugly, old running back and just pound him. Let's spend a, you know, high high round to investment in a great running back, you know, DeAndre Swift, and have AP out touch him 22 to three. <laughs> useful <laughs> real good 
awesome. Carry on Johnson also nowhere to be found. You know, second round pick a couple of years ago. All again to ride behind AP. I don't get it, folks. Just don't get it. They won though, so I mean, you know, they're going to keep trying this formula. You just can't trust Swift. Carry on should have been cut weeks ago. Swift is getting real close to that point. You know, if you're in a shallower league, it, he seems too talented to cut. But talent's not going to matter if you touch the ball three times. So with their bye week coming up, like you need to make a play, you can cut Swift at this point. Another ugly running back by committee, maybe a little glory, is the Bucks. They're not much better either. You get Ronald Jones, 13 carries for 53, two catches for 20, you know, okay, eight points, you know, sweet. Fournette, a week after getting 120 yards in a TD, goes for seven carries and 15 yards. I think this is just going to be disgusting and back and forth. Maybe one will emerge. But until that moment where it's like back-to-back weeks where we see a, a consistent leader, how could you have a Bucks running back in your lineup? And this is in a week where, you know, back-to-back weeks, we've seen them get up huge and, and just bleed clock and neither, you know, Leonard Ford had one big week, but you probably wouldn't have in your lineup. So who's the closer, right? Bruce Arians, Fournette's the closer. And they got up the entire half and, and Fournette saw seven carries to 13 for Jones. I I don't know. Not a backfield, just like the the Lions, not really touching that Bucks backfield. The Lions not any good there either. Julian Edelman, clearly very game flow dependent. And that sucks. Uh, I mean, because when he booms, he's going to boom. You know, next week, the Chiefs, get Edelman in your lineup. Any type of game that's going to require passing, Edelman's going to eat. 179, career high last week with Cam Newton. So it's not like he can't get it done. It's not like the quarterback's the issue here. It's the fact that if they get up big, all they're going to do is pound and pound and pound and bleed clock. And that's the formula for this Patriots team this year. And it's working. It worked on Sunday. They won. The running backs eight, you know, Burkhead and Michelle both doing well. Damian Harris about to come back. So, like, this is going to be the script whenever they're up. So, you really just got to play well. You know, what games are the Pats heavy favorites? What games are they going to be tight or, or winning? What games are going to require them to put up points? Seahawks last week needed to put up points. Edelman career high. Kansas City coming up. Edelman's going to need to put up points. Probably going to have a big day. But you really have to play. He's not a, a lineup lock at this point, which is too bad. Definitely not a lineup lock. Definitely shouldn't be in lineups. Haven't fuck this guy. How about that? <laughs> Bold analysis there. Really, really hard hitting take. But screw AJ Green. Fucking awful. Catches five targets, five of the six targets, thirty six yards. Woo! I'm in game shape, baby. Hyping himself up before the game. Like <laughs> I finally have my legs under me. I'm an NFL player, and I couldn't have my my game legs under me for fucking the season because it's my profession. Like I, I could be ready for the season. And so now I do have him under me and I put up 36 yards. <laughs> fucking loser. AJ Green's it's, I was not in on this guy coming into the year. I, I have some real bitter resentment because he just rotted on my bench all last year. Just never returned like a douchebag to just make a statement to the team. Oh, good job, AJ. Like, look what you've done. They must be significantly regretting the, the franchise investment they put in this guy. Uh, <laughs> why burn 16 million or whatever the cap was just a, an awful bust. I'm not buying low. I'm not trying to get on that. This is the Tyler Boyd show uh, for Joe Burrow. So get rid of AJ green. He, he, again, shallower leagues, like there, I say cut AJ green. Like, I mean, there's the, the situation there. People do not cut him for though. The Giants running backs, as we said last week on the waiver wire, the answer is no. And we saw exactly why. Let's rip off some stats for you folks. Have fun with this. Deion Lewis, zero rushing yards. (laughs) One catch for 10 yards. Nice, Deion. Uh, Gallman, four carries for seven yards. Ooh, robust. Devonta Freeman, five carries for 10 yards. So yeah, we got to combine 17 yards from three running backs on Sunday. Do you need any more conviction that the, the, the Giants running backs need to be avoided at all cost? As we said. Cut them all. If you made all your money for Freeman, like you were moron to do that. And I'm sorry. Don't mean to insult you, but like, why? Why'd you do that? This line's awful. Daniel Jones against a depleted 49ers defense didn't do anything. So what's the point here? No space, no talent around him. Daniel Jones isn't getting it done right now. So no, just no, no. Giants running backs, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. And now let's preview the waiver wire for you folks. Uh, waiver wire, then injuries, and then anything you have. I saw like six, seven questions. 
give us some more. Give us a few likes. Give us a few more comments. Uh, I'm doing this for Monday Night Football, the biggest game of the year right now because I love you guys. So give me some love back. Uh, waiver wire, though, pretty loaded with wide receivers this week. If that's where you're at need, and a lot of us are at this point of the year, uh, bye week's hitting. A lot of big names to add. Let's start with Jefferson. Huge performance. 31% owned, so decent chance he's taken in your league, but you know, almost 70% of leagues he's out there. Catches seven of his nine targets for 175 and a score. As we highlighted earlier, the Vikings have now given up the second most points in the league, averaging 34 points against. At a certain point, they're just going to have to keep uncorking this offense. You know Zimmer with the defense wants to stubbornly play the, the run and pound it, but that's just not going to be a, a viable option this, this year. Their corners are legitimately like JV high schoolers at this point. So I love that for fantasy. It, it's going to be back and forth every week. We're going to just have uh, – that's like one of those DFS slates along with the, the Seahawks that you just pound and pound and pound. So I, I love Justin Jefferson. I like Adam Thielen moving forward, but Jefferson, especially coming off the waiver wire, um, he had a hundred yards at halftime and he just looks dangerous after the catch at, at the contested point of attack and dude did it all. So he's my favorite ad of the week. Uh, not really a, a bold one there, but I also love Hunter Renfro as a streamer. You know, we'll talk about the rest of the rookies, but I want to go into immediate usability. You got rugs out. Edwards gets hurt. Renfro out there in 90% of the leagues catches six of nine targets, 84 yards and a score. Love it. But I also love, you know, dominant slot guy getting a Bills team. We now saw Jamison Crowder rose from the slot. So Mike Gusecki moved the slot as a big body and eat for 150 in a TD. We just saw Cooper Cup go, you know, nine catches, 100 in a TD. I think Renfro has a, another 80-yard TD day in him against that awful slot coverage. But back to the rookies, you know, that's, that's my immediate usable guy. Brandon Ayuk. 28% owned. A lot of owners getting impatient with him. Sees eight targets, catches five of them for 70 yards. Mullins, you know, they're generating touches for this guy. They, they really want to see what do we have in our rookie before Debo comes back. And he really performed well. Also scheming up 31 rushing yards for the kid uh, and a rushing score. Almost 20 fantasy points on the day for Ayuk, and it's his first meaningful action. He played last week, but didn't see much action. Meaningful action. He crushes it. Love what I saw from him. And T. Higgins, another rookie receiver out there in 95% of leagues, uh, sees nine targets, more than A.J. Green. <laughs> Fucking A.J. Green. 40 yards and two scores for T. Higgins, though. Uh, they definitely had some confidence go rolling with this guy and really flourished with those nine looks. Um, Got to be in your, your week one, uh, week four waiver wire plans, rather. And then a couple sophomores. You know, we mentioned Renfro, but also Andy Isabella, 1% owned. Hall's in two touchdowns, but what I loved was the the usage that we should always be seeing. So far in his career, it's just been deep threat, streak down the field, lift the lid, and, and every now and again, catch a bomb for us. But we saw some nice double moves in the red zone. Uh, great body control on those TDs. Able to make some damage after the catch. I mean, this guy was charted as one of the best pro football focus receivers um, coming out. And... I loved him coming out of UMass. Set so many FBS records, right? We finally getting to see why with Christian Kirk out at an expanded role. And we saw that that usage get expanded beyond just a, a streaker down the field. And he he stepped up to the plate. So I think he definitely makes sense. 1% owned. If you need a wide receiver at the end of your bench, look for him. Uglier, but another wide receiver, Greg Ward, 11 targets. I mean, everything out around him is injured. Hall's in eight of them for 72 and a touchdown. Not as flashy as picking up one of these sexy rookie talents, but he was the apple to Wentz's eye last year when all those receiver injuries happened. Lo and behold, Deshaun Jackson, Rager, they're all out again. Alshon might be back soon. So, you know, he also makes sense on the wave wire, Alshon Jeffrey. But until he's back, you know, not expected to be back for at least another two weeks or so, Greg Ward could be a lineup, you know, a sneaky wide receiver three plug and play. Um, if, you know, it's gross. You don't love it, but Greg Ward's looking smooth. And he's got his quarterback's trust. And, and with a struggling quarterback, he's going to look to the guys that he knows will call the ball in for him. Um, last receiver play, the last two here, James Washington, 11% uh, owned right now. More so a streamer because Deontay's concussion, if he misses time, we only got five catches, 36 yards. Nothing crazy for Washington, but that target share will make him a viable flex against a bad Titans team that 
again, Justin Jefferson, we just saw what he did deep. That's what James Washington can do. He, he's a burner. Um, not, not quite, you know, I don't think he can do 175 in a TD, but he had some big games, led this, the Steelers team in receiving last year. So if he gets his number called, he, he could be a viable, you know, one week plug-in. And, you know, let me puke real quick, but uh, ooh, Braxton Berrios, 1% owned it, deservedly so. But now back-to-back 16-point PPR days, finds the end zone both weeks. Runs, you know, the team high 33 routes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want anything to add of Gase in this offense, but I think Darnold has been dealt such a bad hand if he's making a thing named Braxton Berrios this viable. And so if you're desperate and you have trash to cut, I mean, Berrios could be something. Something, you know, something. <laughs> and then last uh, but not least, Cedric Wilson, we, we mentioned those targets there. Now, the ultimate, no, I'll save the ultimate QB streamer for this week. Let's talk about the running backs real quick. It's a very weak uh, week four class. Not Nothing I'm, I'm sitting here, but it's headlined by Mr. Burkhead. My call of the week, my streamer of the week. You need a Saquon hole, fill it in with Rex Burkhead. I can't sit here and say I expected 30 points, but I'm pretty happy it worked out that way for whoever used him. I, I'm sad. <laughs> I just never followed my own advice. You know, the DFS Millie maker had Rex Burkhead. Could have been me. <laughs> Not going to tilt here on live TV, right? <sighs> but yeah, it sucks. Sucks to not play the, the guy that goes off that you recommended. Love that I recommended him. I got a bunch of DMs thanking me to recommend him. Awesome. Happy. If, if, if Burke had won you your week, make me feel better and tell me, please. I appreciate it. But I, how much longer is this going to last true, right? Like I'm not sitting here spending more than five bucks to get Rex Burkhead. 11% owned right now. Because as soon as James White's back, it already is congested. You know, Michelle's looking pretty good. Harris is going to come back. Like it's, this was the week to use Burkhead as we called. I just don't see this ever happening again. Now, if he's out, if, if White's out again against the Chiefs, a, a script is going to be there for Burkhead to see 70% of the snaps. But let's, you know, pick him up in that off chance that White misses another game because he would be a viable flex for one more week if that is the case. Uh, but other than that, you know, that, that's about it. Then you got Brian Hill, not bad performance from this kid. Uh, gets nine carries, 58 yards and a TD. Looks just a whole lot better than Gurley. Um, catches a target for 22 yards. I mean, matches the, st- the stats on five fewer touches than Gurley. Looks a lot more explosive. Gurley gets in the end zone, has himself a, a decent stat line, but just he looks as sluggish as can be. So Brian Hill, very intriguing waiver wire running back as a stash. No one you can start yet. Uh, but that offense, we've seen how explosive it is. And and Brian Hill seems to bring, bring more juice to it than, than Todd Gurley. So I think it's a matter of time before we see a real turning of the guard there. And last two are definite stashes, uh, unless that injury lingers for Chris Carson. But Carlos Hyde, uh, the, the immediate backup, and any running back getting volume in this just juggernaut offense is well worth a roster spot, well worth a start anytime they're, they're getting you know, 15, 20 touches. Carson, again, 16 touchdown pace right now. He has a knee injury. They're saying he could probably play week four. It looked a lot worse than it ended up being. So Carlos Hyde's probably a mere stash, but it is a good time to just remember. Carson does you know, has missed time every single season so far. Got a pretty lengthy injury history. Hyde's a, a solid above average backup that if he becomes a, a 15, 20 touch guy in this offense, probably will put up similar stats to what Carson's doing. So high-end RB2, low-end RB1, uh, if something ever happens to Carson. And that could be as early as this week if Carson, they, they play it safe with this guy based in Miami. Could be could make Carlos Hyde a, a legitimate legitimate RB2 for you this week. Last but not least, a pulse from Anthony McFarland. Looking explosive, too, on his carry. Six of them for 42 yards. Um, got in on the first half over Benny Snell. And, mm, I mean only six touches and looked good, but it wasn't like they kept riding. It was kind of like, let's get you out there. Let's get your feet wet. Let's see what you do. So I expect him, his role to kind of get expanded upon. Cause all he did was thrive on those touches. It was clearly like, we're going to design five plays for you. You perform well. Maybe we, we escalate your role a little bit. And, and he did, he performed very well. So he's a guy that I'd like to kind of put on my bench, see what happens down the stretch. And especially with Connor now hurt, you know, Snell's likely still that bell cow. If Connor goes down, but, 
McFarland did play above him, so worth noting for sure. Those are the only running backs I can see of use, though. Please feel free to comment anyone else in that I might have missed. Uh, my ultimate streamer, though, the only quarterback I'm looking to pick up this week, and I kind of want to start him everywhere. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Give me the magic, baby. This guy has been an animal. I had no clue. I looked it up. So he didn't start. You know, He took over the role from Rosen full-time in week seven. Week six, he kind of came in, had 11 points in the last quarter, looked pretty solid. Since then, only Lamar Jackson has outscored Ryan Fitzpatrick. I kid you not. That's not a misprint. That's not a typo. Only Ryan Fitzpatrick has outsc- has been out. Only Lamar Jackson has outscored Ryan Fitzpatrick, the number two quarterback since last week seven of last year. Quarterback nine, quarterback 19, quarterback five, quarterback 20, quarterback 19. And then listen to this stretch. QB eight, QB three, QB 19, QB seven, QB three, QB three, QB 10, QB seven. I mean, multiple 25 plus fantasy point days, over half his games since taking over the starter have been 25 points or more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Eight of his last 12 starts. <laughs> that is insane. One, two. Yeah. Yeah. Eight of his last starts have been over 25 fantasy points. And now he's getting the Seattle Seahawks in week, week four here. And we've all seen what happens there. Wilson's going to put up his points. This defense blows. We know Fitzmagic's just going to hawk, hawk, hawk. The only risk there is like if they get down huge, especially if you throw some picks, and Tua comes in, that that could ruin lineups. But I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to just thrust him in the middle of a Seahawk game, right? And then T, help. You know, we got Goddard injured. We're going to cover injuries in one second. But Goddard, Jared Cook. So if you're looking for tight end help, we got – Five of seven targets going to Eric Ebron. Hall's in 52 and a score. And it was a beautiful score. Like Big Ben just lofted it up and dropped it right into the bucket. Beauty. Absolute beauty. So I think that's somewhere you could go uh, for tight end replacement plans. I think Mo Alley Cox, back-to-back 15-point fantasy days. Now, he outsnapped Jack Doyle. He only ran eight routes compared to 16 for Jack Doyle. So that's a little concerning. But Doyle wasn't targeted at all. Whereas Mo Ali Cox, despite seeing um, half the tar- the routes of of Doyle, was targeted on on four of his eight. Halls in three for fifty. Um, oh no, sorry, three targets. Halls in all of them for fifty yards and a score. I mean that basketball background, you know the tight end narrative there. But he's crushing it, and Frank Reich loves to pepper tight ends. Um, and it seems like it's only a matter of time before Mo Ali Cox is just like the clear cut. Let's just go with this guy over Jack Doyle um, full-time here. And injury carnage, folks, to, to wrap things up. Uh, the biggest one is Tariq Cohen going down with the torn ACL, or I guess most in, impacted one. Uh, but he he's going to be done for the season. We mentioned it at the top, but with Nick Foles taking over, we already were going to see Montgomery get a little bump up. Now even more receiving work do his way. You could probably see Corderell Patterson coming in a third down role, like deep, deep, deep. I mean, real fucking deep leagues. He still has athleticism to, to make something happen, but it's really going to be a Montgomery bump there. That, Dallas Goddard and Jared Cook, both like, you know, back end, tight end ones going down. Uh, Goddard's going to miss some time. We don't know how much or how severe it is. We don't have a, a diagnosis yet on Cook, but he limped pretty badly before going to the locker room and not returning. Um, so ultimately, Need backup plans. We talked about Ebron. We talked about Mo Ali Cox. I mean, Adam Troutman, the direct backup to Jared Cook. And so <laughs> Adam Troutman, he, he's an athletic freak, though, a rookie that that landed in a perfect spot. And if he gets some volume, I think he could be a good bet for a touchdown in any game he starts. Uh, so two tight end, big injuries. Chris Carson, you know, ended up being a minor knee sprain that, that he's probably likely to suit up in week four. And if he doesn't, you know, Carlos Hyde would definitely be a potential starter, even Travis Homer would have some, some potential streamability, but it's looking like Carson could tough this thing out. Just a matter of, will they do that when you're facing the dolphins? Probably not, right? You don't need Carson. So I think we could get a a nice game for Carlos Hyde this week. And then Tariq Cohen, uh, we mentioned Chris Godwin getting an MRI on his hamstring, you know, a week after sitting out, looked good, catches an early touchdown and then limps off. Probably not going to be in, you know, concussion now hamstring, they're going to try to get this guy healthy. 
uh, before things get, get a little too out of hand there. Last but not least, Young Ho Koo, Young Hui is, is how you pronounce it. He gutted it out for week three, uh, but ultimately he, he couldn't kick off. He's going to probably go to the IR. He's been a beast. You know, 17 points just a couple couple weeks ago, but you're going to have to go find yourself a new kicker. Alrighty, folks, I'm going to go watch it. I have to sweat out. You know, I can't give up 40 to Tyreek and Mahomes. I don't know if they've already combined for that before signing off here. But thanks so much for those of you that tuned in live and interacted. I always love it. I know it's a little down this week because I got here late and we have the best game of the, the Monday night game of the year. So didn't expect huge numbers, but if you caught the replay, thanks so much. Um, you love having you here. I will have that updated rest of season big board up by the end of tonight, up by the end of this game. So tune into rotostreetjournal.com to find that. And so many stock watches, our waiver wire article up tomorrow. I'll be live on Tuesday, 5 p.m. Uh, tomorrow to get those rankings set for your first impression. And of course, we got live shows 7 p.m. You know, sit start tailgate for Thursday night football, 11 a.m. sit start tailgate uh, for Sunday, and our DFS show, which has been cooking on uh, Saturdays at 11 a.m. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. And I am the Wolf. Any reviews and subscriptions on YouTube and also on the podcast are so hugely appreciated. If we've helped you out, it'd mean the world for you to, to give us a little hand there. Have a great rest of week three. Hope you get all you need. And then let's get ready to dominate week four. See you, Wolfpack. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.